Welcome to Zichru Daf Simanim. I'm Rabbi Ram Goldar, and today Mitzvahs Baba Kama Daf Kuf Hey. The ninth paragraph goes on eighteen. So the three times we're going to focus on number one. Rabbi taught if someone stole three bundles worth three prutos and they decreased to a total value of two prutos, and we returned two of them, he must still return the other one despite being worth less than a pruta since it had a pruta's value when it was stolen. This is supportive from the mission teaching that if one stole chametz and Pesach passed over it so it's now prohibited in benefit, he may return it to the victim. This implies that if it was not extant, came to be karmamonu by shumai. Since originally it had monetary value, he must pay its original value even though it is currently worthless. Here too, since the bundle was originally worth a pruta, he must pay for it or return it if it's extant. Rabbi asked, if one stole two bundles jointly with a pruta and returned one, what's the halacha? Is he putzim from returning it since he does not have a stolen item worth a pruta? Or do we say he has not returned anything since what he returned was worth less than a pruta? He concludes, even though there's no robbed item here, there's no fulfillment of the mitzvah of returning a stolen item. Point number two, Rava asked, If one swore falsely about having stolen chametz, which had become forbidden in benefit, what is the halacha? Do we say since if it would be stolen from him, he would have to pay its original value, it is considered denying a monetary liability? Or do we say that since the chametz is here and can be returned in its worthless form, it is not a monetary denial? Rabbi was certain of the answer to this question. If one says to another, you stole my ox, and the defendant denies it and explains that he's holding the ox as a shomer chinam and falsely swears so, he is liable for a carbon asham, because he exempted himself from liability for theft or loss of the ox by swearing falsely that he was a shomer chinam and not a thief. Although the ox is currently in its possession and he is not denied an actual obligation, since if it would be stolen, his oath would exempt him, he is liable for an asham. The same would apply to denying having stolen chametz. And point number three, Rav Shesha said, a kofra bivikadun, one who falsely denies having a deposit in his possession. Nasal of Guzlan, he has become a Guzlan through his denial, even without swearing. Vachai ba'onsim, and he's liable for unavoidable mishaps which befall it. Rami Barakhama challenged him from a mission which was someone who swore falsely to deny a pikadon as someone who is chashud al suspect in regard to oaths. According to Rav Sheshis, he's considered a gazlan who's disqualified from swearing through his mere denial, even without swearing. The Gemara answers that the Mishnah's case is where the Pikadon was in a swamp, and his denial was not to steal it, but to stall for time until he retrieves it. When he denies a Pikadon in his possession, he is immediately considered a gazlan. Ravidi Bar Avin's ruling proves this distinction. One who denies owing a loan is still qualified for giving testimony, since he may be stalling for time to repay the spent money. But for falsely denying holding a deposit, he is disqualified for testimony, since it's in his possession. So once again, the three points are number one. Rabba taught if someone stole three bundles worth three prutos, and they decreased to a total value of two prutos, and he returned two of them, he must still return the other one despite being worth less than a pruta, since it had a pruta's value when it was stolen. This is supportive from the mission teaching that if one stole chametz and Pesach passed over it so it's now prohibited in benefit, he may return it to the victim. This implies that if it was not extant, came to be karmamonu by shumai, since originally it had monetary value, he must pay its original value even though it is currently worthless. Here too, since the bundle was originally worth a pruta, he must pay for it or return it if it's extant. 
Rabbi asked, if one stole two bundles jointly with a pruta and returned one, what's the halacha? Is he putted from returning it since he does not have a stolen item worth a pruta? Or do we say he has not returned anything since what he returned was worth less than a pruta? He concludes, even though there's no robbed item here, there's no fulfillment of the mitzvah of returning a stolen item. Point number two, Rava asked, Nishba Alab Mahu, if one swore falsely about having stolen chametz, which had become forbidden in benefit, what is the halacha? Do we say since if it would be stolen from him, he would have to pay its original value, it is considered denying a monetary liability? Or do we say that since the chametz is here and can be returned in its worthless form, it is not a monetary denial? Rabbu is certain of the answer to this question. If one says to another, you stole my ox, and the defendant denies it and explains that he's holding the ox as a shomer chinam and falsely swears so, he is liable for a carbon asham, because he exempted himself from liability for theft or loss of the ox by swearing falsely that he was a shomer chinam and not a thief. Although the ox is currently in its possession and he's not denied an actual obligation, since if it would be stolen, his oath would exempt him, he's liable for an asham. The same would apply to denying having stolen chametz. And point number three, Rav Shesha said, a kofr one who falsely denies having a deposit in his possession. Nasal of Guzlan, he has become a Guzlan through his denial, even without swearing. Vachai ba'onsim, and he's liable for unavoidable mishaps which befall it. Rami Barakama challenged him from a mission which was someone who swore falsely to deny a pikadon as someone who is chashud al suspect in regard to oaths. According to Rav Sheshis, he's considered a gazlan who's disqualified from swearing through his mere denial, even without swearing. The Gemara answers that the Mishnah's case is where the pikadon was in a swamp, and his denial was not to steal it, but to stall for time until he retrieves it. When he denies a pikadon in his possession, he is immediately considered a gazlan. Ravidi Bar Avin's ruling proves this distinction. One who denies owing a loan is still qualified for giving testimony, since he may be stalling for time to repay the spent money. But for falsely denying holding a deposit, he is disqualified for testimony, since it's in his possession. All right, so now we go to Simonov Kufay. Understand that Simon is a hacker. We just reverse the letters, and we use a Russian hacker to make the Simon a little more distinct. So here goes. The Russian who hacked into the thief's computer and discovered that he had stolen three bundles worth three prutos, which decreased in value to two prutos, and had only returned two of them, and found a picture of the thief swearing falsely about having stolen chametz after it became Asubahana, realized by hacking into a security camera that the reason he swore falsely to deny Picadon was to stall for time and retrieve it from a swamp. Once again, slow motion. The Russian who hacked, a Russian who hacked, a Russian hacker? That must be more enough. Kufe. The Russian who hacked into the thief's computer and discovered that he had stolen three bundles worth three prutos, which decreased in value to two prutos and had only returned Two of them, which reminds us, Rava taught, if someone stole three bundles worth three prutos, and they decreased to a total value of two prutos, and he returned two of them, he must still return the other one despite being worth less than a pruta, since it had a pruta's value when it was stolen. So, the Russian who hacked into the thief's computer and discovered that he had stolen three bundles worth three prutos, which decreased in value to two prutos, and had only returned two of them, and found a picture of the thief swearing falsely about having stolen chametz after it became which reminds us, Rava asked, if once were falsely about having stolen chametz, which had become asubahana, what is the law? Do we say since if it would be stolen from him, he would have to pay its original value and therefore it's considered denying a monetary liability? Or do we say that since the chametz is here and can be returned in its worthless form, it is not a monetary denial? So, the Russian who hacked into the thief's computer and discovered that he had stolen three bundles, or three prutos, which decreased in value to two prutos, and had only returned 
two of them, and found a picture of the thief swearing falsely about having stolen chametz after it became Asibahana, realized by hacking into a security camera that the reason he swore falsely to deny Pikadon was to stall for time and retrieve it from a swamp. Which reminds us, Rav Shesha said, a quote from Pikadon, one who falsely denies having a deposit in his possession, not so love Gazan, he's become a Gazan through his denial, even without swearing, for unavoidable mishaps which befall it. Rami Barachama challenged him from a mission which lists someone who swore falsely to deny Pikadon as someone who is chashud al a suspect in regard to oaths. According to Rav Sheshes, he's considered a Gazan who's disqualified from swearing through his mere denial, even without swearing. The Gemara answers that the mission's case is where the Pikadon was in a swamp, and his denial was not to steal it, but to stall for time until he retrieves it. When he denies a Pikadon in his possession, he is immediately considered a Gazan. So once again, the Russian who hacked into the thief's computer and discovered that he had stolen three bundles worth three prutos, which decreased in value to two prutos, and had only returned two of them, and found a picture of the thief swearing falsely about having stolen chametz after it became Asibahana, realized by hacking into a security camera that the reason he swore falsely to deny Pikadon was to stall for time and retrieve it from a swamp. All right, so now it's time for Four Blabach Hazara. Daf Kuf Alf. So the Simon Daf Kuf Alf is a bird caller that goes ka ka. So here goes. The bird caller, bird caller, that must be more than Daf Kuf Alf. A bird caller who goes ka ka. The bird caller who blew his whistle as two birds held up his stolen sweater to see if the stolen die was still present in it, which reminds us. The more asked the question, Yesh Shevach Samanim Ahat Semer, is the improvement of dye on the wool considered something material or not? Rashi explains the question is if Chazusa Milsi, appearance, is a significant matter, making the die still considered present. Since stolen die must be returned, the case must be where one stole wool and die belonging to the same person, and he dyed the wool with it and then returned the dyed wool. If Yesh Shavach Samanim Al-Gabi the die is still considered present, he has returned everything he stole, but if not, he must pay for the stolen die. So the bird call who blew his whistle as two birds held up his stolen sweater to see if the stolen dye was still present in it, had a jacket that had been dyed with the peels of oil of fruit set afire because Chazusa Milsihi, which reminds us it was stated in the Mishnah Begat Shitzvoba Klipe Orla Yidalik, a garment which was dyed with the peels of oil of fruit should be set afire. This proves Chazusa Milsi appearance is considered a significant matter and the oral is still considered present. So the bird call who blew his whistle as two birds held up a stolen sweater to see if the stolen dye was still present in it, had a jacket that had been dyed with the peels of oral fruit set afire because Chazusa Milsihi, using wood which has no Kedusha Shviz since its benefit is after its consumption, which reminds us, the Gemara deals with the question if wood is subject to Kedusha Shviz and answers that the Pasuk says La'achla, to eat, Teaching, Bimisha Naso Ubiiro Shavin, Kedusha Shviz applies to produce whose benefit and consumption coincide, like food. This excludes wood whose benefit, the baking, is after its consumption, meaning after the wood is reduced to coals. Dafkuf Base, the Simon Dafkuf Base is a cave, so here goes. The man who lived in a cave, cave, that must move on Dafkuf Base. The man who lived in a cave, busy soaking flax in a pool of juice of Shemitah produce, picked specifically for that purpose, which reminds us, the Gemara brings a Malchokas of Shemitah produce may be used for soaking flax or laundering if it was picked for that purpose. So the man who lived in a cave busy soaking flax in a pool of juice of Shemitah produce, picked specifically 
for that purpose, who had been disappointed when the shlich he sent to purchase wheat returned with barley, which reminds us, a price it teaches that if someone gave a shlich money to buy wheat to sell at a higher price and split the profits, and instead the shlich bought barley or the reverse, in bachasu bachasu lo, if they depreciated, they depreciated for the shlich, and if they appreciated, they appreciated for him, meaning the shlich takes all losses and gains and repays the investor's capital. Another price it says they divide the profits, but the shlich takes all losses. Rabbi Yochan explains that the first Bryce says Rabbi Meir, who taught on Daf Kuf on a base regarding dyeing wool the wrong color, that one who deviates from instructions is deemed a gazlan. Therefore, this shliach acquires the produce with the stolen money. So the man who lived in a cave, busy soaking flax in a pool of juice of Shemitah produce, picked specifically for that purpose, who had been disappointed when the shliach he sent to purchase wheat returned with barley, was happy to learn that his other shliach carried out his shlichas as instructed and purchased wheat, as he was considered like the investor himself, which reminds us, in the West, in Eretz Yisrael, they mocked Rabbi Yochanan's interpretation that the second price is also discussing a significant deviation from his instructions. According to Rabbi Yehuda, how does the investor acquire a share of the grain when the shulich disobeyed him, who informed the owner of the wheat that he should transfer wheat to the owner of the money instead of the shulich? Rabbi Shmuel Bar Sasrati challenges reasoning, arguing that even when the shulich purchases wheat as he was told, no one informed the seller to transfer wheat to the investor. Rabbi Yavo answered that when he purchased wheat as he was told, he performed a shlichus, and it's considered like the Baal Bais, the investor himself, so he may perform a transaction on the investor's behalf. Daf Kuf Kimmel, so the similar Daf Kuf Kimmel is Kugel, and we use Yerushalmi Kugel. So here goes. The land seller enjoying his Yerushalmi Kugel, Yerushalmi Kugel, that must be more Daf Kuf Kimmel. The land seller enjoying his Yerushalmi Kugel while refusing to write a second star for the buyer who falsely claimed that he bought the field on the Reish Kulus's behalf, which reminds us, if a buyer declared untruthfully that he bought a field on the Reish Kulus's behalf to discourage potential protesters, we do not force the seller to sell it a second time, meaning he doesn't have to write him another document identifying him as a true owner. Although the buyer can argue that the seller understood that he only claimed to purchase for the Reish Galusa as a security measure and realized the buyer wanted a second star, the seller can respond that he thought the buyer arranged with the Reish Galusa to write a star for him. So the land seller enjoying his Yerushalmi Kugel while refusing to write a second star for the buyer who falsely claimed that he bought the field on the Reish Galusa's behalf packed up some Kugel for the Gazan on his way to Madai to bring payment to the victim after he had sworn falsely and only later confessed which reminds us the next mission states Hagozo's Chavero Shava Pruta one who robs from his fellow the value of a Pruta Vinishbolo and then he swears falsely to him denying the robbery but later confesses and is hired to pay the principal and an additional fifth and bring a carbon Hashem he must bring the payment after him even to Madai. He cannot give it to the victim's son nor to his own shaliach, but he may give it to a shaliach basin, which is a takana enacted to encourage his repentance. So the land seller enjoying his Yerushalmi Kugel while refusing to write a second star for the buyer who falsely claimed that he bought a field on the Reish Galusa's behalf packed up some Kugel for the Gazlan on his way to Madai to bring payment to the victim after he had sworn falsely and only later confessed and served Kugel to the five people waiting to be paid by the thief who stole from one of them but did not remember who, which reminds us, it was taught in the Mishnah, Gazla Echad Mechamisha, one who robbed one of five people, but he doesn't know which one of them it was, and each of them claims it was he. Rabbi Tarfan says, He places the robbed item between them and removes himself. Rabbi Kiva says, This is not the derek to remove him from Avera. He has not fulfilled his obligation until he pays the robbed item's value to every one of them. Daf Kuftalad. So the Sim Daf Kuftalad is a code. So here goes. The code breaker who successfully deciphered that a debtor should pay his debt to the creditor, Shaliach, who was A.W. Ayn, 
appointed with Eidim, which reminds us, the Gemara discusses a shaliach, which the creditor appointed with Eidim to collect his debt. Rav Chisda says, Havi shaliach, he's a legal shaliach, and the debtor is absolved of his debt after giving him the money, even if it never reaches his creditor. Rav says he's not a legal shaliach, since the creditor never instructed the debtor to give him the money. So the Kobrik, who successfully deciphered that a debtor should pay his debt to the creditor shaliach, who was A.W.I.N., appointed with Eidim, but that a shomer should not send money back for the depositor with someone who only has a symbol proving he's the owner shaliach, which reminds us, Rav quoted Shmuel, Ein Mishalchim Maus Bediokani, a shomer should not send money back for the depositor with someone who only has a symbol proving he's the owner shaliach. Even if Adim are signed on the symbol as authentic because this symbol does not prove he was appointed a shaliach to retrieve it. Yochanan said that if Adim are signed on it, he is established as a shaliach and one may send the money with him. So the codebreaker who successfully deciphered that a debtor should pay his debt to the creditor shaliach, who was A.W.I.N., appointed with Adim, but that a shomer should not send money back for the deposit with someone who only has a symbol proving he's the owner shaliach, was overjoyed when he figured out the code chomish equals mamun means that if a gazlan died after only paying the victim, the principal is heirs must pay the Chomish, which reminds us, the Mishnah taught that if a Gazlan repaid the stolen principal, but not the additional fifth, he does not need to bring it to the victim. The Gemara infers that it is still owed. We see that the additional fifth payment is a monetary obligation to the victim, and not just for atonement. And if the Gazlan would die, his heirs would still owe it. All right, so now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, which stuff do we learn that one who robs someone of something worth a Shavapruta, who swears and later confesses, must return the item, a Filu Madai, that's on Duff? Kuf Gimel, good number two. Which of the one that one must return a remaining bundle from a group of three bundles, even though it's now worth less than a pruta that's on Dav? Kuf hey. good number three. Which of the one a shomer should not send money back for the depositor with someone who only has a symbol proving he's the owner shaliach that's on Dav? Kuf Dal, good number four. Which of the one that Reb Meir holds of Dingarmi obligating payment in certain cases of indirect damage that's on Dav? Kuf. Good number five. Which stuff do you discuss what the din is when one swears he did not steal chametz, which is now worthless? That's on Dav. Kuf. Hey. Good number six. Which stuff do you have a case where a woman gave a craftsman some gold and asked him to make a ring for her and she'll become married to him? That's on Dav. Tzadi test. Good number seven. Which stuff do you learn that chomish havi mamona, the additional fifth payment, is a monetary obligation of the victim? And if the gazlan dies, the heirs must pay it. That's on Dav. Kuftal, good number eight. Which of the case where one denies a pikadon in his possession to stall for time so he can retrieve it from a swamp? That's on Dav. Kuf Good number nine. Which stuff do we have Makokas? What is done if a guzzlin robs someone from a group of five and can't remember who it was? That's on Dav. Kuf Gimel. Good. Number ten. Which stuff do we have Makokas? If Shemitah produce can be used to soak flax if it was specifically picked for that purpose? That's on Dav. Kuf base. Excellent. That concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Ram Goldhoff from Zivkubishnir. A great day and great learning.